We're back at you, Hour 2, on a great day for Talk Radio. Doug Ford is still talking at the legislature, but effectively what he had to say was something that we'd anticipated since the word had come out earlier. They were going to fire Mayo Schmidt as a chief executive officer effective today while they've announced his retirement. (laughs) Okay, semantics. There you go. Semantics again. I guess it's kind of the argument between illegal border crossers and irregular migrants. It's all coming down to semantics these days, and we can parse those terms. We're going to pick it up with our panel as well in uh, just a little bit here as we do topics worthy of discussion after 520 on the Oakley Show. But uh, apparently Hydro One has uh, entered into this agreement for the purpose of the orderly replacement of the board of directors of Hydro One and Hydro One Inc. And as I say, the retirement of Mayo Schmidt as a chief executive officer effective today. Well, the province is the principal shareholder, so they have the say. They have the trump card, right? They can basically dictate the terms, and those were the terms. Question becomes whether this is money well spent. Some people were saying, well, it's going to be too uh, cost prohibitive to actually send this guy packing with his golden parachute because they had put in the poison pill uh, the former board had, formerly as of about, uh, you know, prior to a half an hour ago. Uh, They had decided that they were going to rig things so that if he went out, uh, it was going to be with a rather nice package. And so the board itself, uh, who will replace the board? Anybody's guess on that front. As I say, we'll pick it up. Topics worthy of discussion coming our way momentarily on other matters when it comes to uh, some of the issues that are roiling the city. Guns and gangs play a rather large role and have made the radar of late. And on that end, uh, Julian Fantino has joined us on the line, Global News Radio's law enforcement expert and the former chief of police here in the city of Toronto. Julian, it's good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. By the way, any comment on uh, the CEO of Hydro One and the board being sent packing? I guess they're calling it a retirement, but it was orchestrated by the new government of Doug Ford. Uh, that's just the way it goes? Well, that's exactly the way it should go, John. I mean, you know, they, they want to put their own signature on policies and the kinds of things they want to do. They certainly told people far and wide how they intended to run the government of the day going forward. So... It's to be expected, and, uh, you know, good luck to the gentleman. All right. Uh, do you think, I, I guess, this idea that he's getting $10.6 million as CEO because he's being retired early, uh, is that something that we can swallow here because it's necessary to do? Well, it's a poison pill, obviously, that's uh, very often put in these contracts. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, those calculations have to be made. Uh, the long-term uh, consequences... Uh, and the long-term benefits, I guess, are all weighed into this. And, of course, then the politics play into it, John. So uh, it's the reality of the day. Welcome to democracy. All right. Well, that is politics. Uh, that's the way it's worked. Uh, bare-knuckle politics sometimes, and we're seeing its manifestation here in the firing or the retirement of the CEO, the new board. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. As I say, semantics, right? Uh, all of it, yeah. Yeah. Now, I've got to ask you, because uh, here's another semantic question. Is this insubordination or speaking truth to power? You've got this PR campaign by the Toronto Police Service rank and file where uh, a member of the force, an officer, Mr. Hayward, Officer Hayward, came out with an open letter to the mayor last week and suggesting that he, along with, I think, Chief Saunders, are responsible for the gun and gang problem in the city of Toronto and they're not doing anything effectively to address it. How do you see this in the PR war for hearts and minds? Is this a good idea, or is it something akin to insubordination? Because it's now, I guess, being investigated for a breach of a police services act. Well, you know, rules are rules, and they have to be followed. But on the other hand, one has to understand as well the frustration that uh, 
very often overcomes uh, circumstances and situations. Uh, I, I don't know that I would approach that that way, but I also understand that uh, this is coming from uh, the people with their feet on the ground who obviously know what's going on and they have a passion for the work and, and concerns about what's going on. So uh, I don't know that I would have expressed it that way, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that squares off with the Police Services Act and the Code of Discipline. Well, all right, place yourself back in the role of chief. Would you be upset if a member of the rank and file had expressly gone public this way? Uh, I'd probably want to talk to him. Uh, I'd probably want to know a little bit more about uh, the very issues. Uh, hopefully I would be engaged in what's going on a lot sooner than having to deal with a letter. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've been through a whole lot of conflict and aggravation uh, on, on various issues, as as I know you followed the, <laughs> the ebb and flow of uh, policing in the city. Uh, but, you know, John, uh, these, these are difficult times. They're difficult uh, for everybody. They're difficult for the people, of course, the innocent bystanders uh, who are often caught up in all this mayhem and havoc that's being wreaked by the bad guys. And uh, I think there needs to be a better focus, I think, about who is actually responsible for what's going on. And it isn't one singular uh, political person. There's a whole lot of issues here. All right, so when the officer in his letter suggested that the dismantling of Tavis, this is the anti-gun and gang squad in 2014, as well as, you know, uh, carding being considered inappropriate, uh, when he mentions that, you think he has a legitimate grievance? Well, he probably has, and he does have a legitimate observation regarding the the kinds of things that, from his perspective, have no longer, are no longer available that have evaporated. Uh, So, you know, I've taken issue with... uh, the inability or the restrictions placed on police officers basically doing proactive uh, policing, gathering intelligence, who's doing what uh, in the community, who the, the gunmen are, who are the, who the drug dealers are, who uh, who's who's involved in, in, in prostitution and pimping and so forth. The only way that that information can come forward is from the uh, ability and, and the, the activity of police officers lawfully and properly uh, going about seeking information. How do you get that if you don't go out and talk to people? And but you know everything's been racialized now. You can't you can't do this. You can't do that. And a vocal, uh, very active minority group have kind of hijacked uh, the whole notion of policing. I mean, what perfect uh, example of that, John? Uh, the business of taking the police officers out of the schools. I was lobbied and lobbied and lobbied. Uh, to put police officers in the school, uh, in the schools, and finally that happened, and they get turfed out because some group accuses the police officers of being racist and on a go. So, yeah, there's frustration out there, John. Lots of it. Again, with Julian Fantino, Global News Radio law enforcement expert, former Toronto police chief. So, on that note as well, uh, you know, there has been some discussion that mandatory minimum sentences also had a role to play in deterring this type of criminal activity. And yet, in an op-ed piece today in the Toronto Star, the suggestion is that there need to be reforms to the justice system. When the federal government announced this back in March, uh, one of the things that has defense lawyers fuming, they say, is the fact that they haven't done anything about mandatory minimum sentences. But these things, I believe, had been considered verboten or offside by the Supreme Court. Uh, This at the time when you were with the Harper Conservatives. Stephen Harper had brought them in, and they were stricken from uh, application because it was considered to be too inflexible. And now the argument is that uh, mandatory minimum sentences 
contribute to the delay in the criminal justice system because there's no incentive for an individual to plead guilty if they're still going to get the same sentence they'd receive if they went to trial and were found guilty. So they drag things out, go through the motions, and it's a, a deterrent to, I guess, uh, lessening the pressures on the justice system. Are you in favor of mandatory minimums, or do you think they need to be holus bolus taken out of the system? Well, I, I believe that there is a place for mandatory minimum sentences. Absolutely. A lot of these people are frequent flyers, John. They're not first time uh, exposed to the criminal justice system. But, you know, even if you look at first-degree murder with the, the mandatory sentences, life uh, with 25 years and no parole uh, as a rule, then there is a faint hope clause that snuck in there. Where at 15 years of sentence served, uh, a convicted murderer can apply for parole. So, you know, there's all kinds of exceptions. There's no quick fix, and there's no one uh, issue that, that can, in effect, be identified as, as uh, delaying the, the process. What is, in fact, delaying the process is everybody wants to fight uh, every issue, and the nuances that have come and created such a backlog are really those that uh, have been about technicalities and people fighting the system up, down, and sideways. Uh, back in my day, John, I was involved uh, with the uh, with the G. Arthur Martin uh, committee that looked at disclosure and resolution guidelines and the delays in the justice system and a better way of going forward. And that followed Mr. Justice Sapinka's uh, ruling uh, justice delayed, justice de- denied. You might remember that. Mm-hmm. Some 40, 40 odd thousand cases, criminal cases, were basically turfed out out of the system in Ontario alone because of delays. And it seems that we've learned very little, if anything, from that experience. So I think something needs to be done. But uh, I am in favor of uh, minimum uh, mandatory sentences for s- certain crimes and certain uh, convictions. And, and like I say, a lot of these, these people are not are not first-timers. They're frequent flyers. They deserve to get a boot and rent and, and be kept in as long as uh, as it can be. Well, all right. Uh, they've got something like, for example, in California, three strikes and you're out. If you're caught with a gun three times, uh, you're going to go away for a long time. Doesn't that sort of stand to reason? Well, you know, John, the reason the minimum uh, sentence uh, issues came in is because there were no meaningful sentences, or I shouldn't say there weren't uh, enough uh, uh, meaningful sentences being handed out, then there was a, an obvious uh, blowback on all of that. So, but to blame it now for the delays, uh, I think we're not looking at the nature of the crime. We're not looking at the uh, uh, the particular offender. We're not looking at uh, uh, their history and their background. So it isn't just the minimum sentences, John. It's also lawyers delaying systems and accused persons wanting to fight the system at all costs. And when people say that there's no incentive, the incentive for these people is to plead guilty and get on with it. They've done the crime. They should be able to do to do the time. The other thing, of course, we were talking last night to a conservative justice critic, uh, Rob Nicholson, and he was saying there are all kinds of vacancies on the Superior Court. We haven't filled those. We've got to get more people involved, more judges, so we can expedite these cases. That's the real problem, that the Liberals have dropped the ball on that. What do you hear? What do you know? Well, of course, it's all, you know, it's a production line, John, and, and very often the system itself doesn't have the tools or the ability to either speed it up or, 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 or do whatever needs to be done to expedite things. So a lot of these things quite clearly are political decisions that have to be taken, and the resources have to be in place. But I, I'm kind of intrigued by all of the quoted authorities 
uh, in these so-called studies, I don't see any police uh, authorities being quoted or their opinion being asked for. It's all abstract. And, of course, what happens then, John, it all gets downloaded on the cops. The, the police, at the end of the day, have to bear the brunt of whatever decisions are taken here, there, and everywhere. And, and uh, I don't see their, their uh, issues addressed at all. Yeah, and wait for marijuana legalization imminently, and uh, then we'll have to sort it out at that level here in the province of Ontario. Well, it's, it's going to be very interesting, John. Happy days ahead. All right. I'm sure we'll have many more discussions to come. Julian, thanks for your time. Okay, John. Take care. You too. Julian Fantino, Global News Radio law enforcement expert and former chief of police here in the city of Toronto.